welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary for Saturday the 13th of May 2017. I would normally start this diary telling you how many words I've written this week, but I haven't actually written this week, not since we last spoke. I'm writing on Saturday, tomorrow, uh, mainly for domestic reasons. My wife, every third Saturday during term time, it's very complicated, works on a Saturday. So I use that day to write, which means that today um, I've had a bit of a fun day, (laughs) which is great. I'll tell you about that a little bit later, but I haven't written today. I'll be doing that tomorrow. So I should hit my 5,000 word target uh, tomorrow. So my writing news for you today is not about actually doing the writing. It's about all the things around our writing business that we do. And uh, in last week's diary, I was telling you that I was running a big promo for Don't Tell Meg. I hope this is the only time that I make Don't Tell Meg free, but I put it on KDP Select and I thought, well, I might as well use the five days and see what we could do with that. And, And this is the final tally, if you want, that Don't Tell Meg was available for free for a five-day run. That's what you get within KDP Select. And in that period, I've downloaded, I've had 7,534 free downloads of that book. So 7,500 downloads. And that was making it free. It was having um, links on my giveaway page, my crime and thriller giveaway page. And I promoted it on Free Booksy, Book Gorilla, Ebook Soda, and a couple of others. Uh, and, and in addition to that, um, I also popped uh, Dead of Night for free uh, just for a couple of days. And I've actually got it running over this weekend for free. And I've got rid of 564 um, free copies of Dead of Night. Uh, interestingly, I've made more sales of Dead of Night, probably because it's a 99 pence price point, uh, than I have of, of Don't Tell Meg so far, which is ironic. But Don't Tell Meg has a 3.99 price point. Uh, and that price point fits in with a long-term strategy for my thrillers. So 7,500 um, downloads. What are the benefits of that? Well, let me tell you about the advantages and disadvantages. I have always found that when I put books on free promos, it always seems to attract you know crappy reviewers. Um, not not across the board, but some crappy reviewers. And by crappy reviewers, I mean the the, the people who just write, you know, five words, you know, that, w- that was a load of crap, or it was crap, um, or what a load of rubbish, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so fairly monosyllabic reviews, rather than saying I didn't like it because, um, and they're fairly distressing reviews to get for any author. Um, so, um, so I'm always a little bit wary about doing free promos. You know, frankly, I wouldn't do it if I didn't have to. Um, but I'm an unknown author at the bottom of a very big genre. So I have to do something to get discovered as I'm self-published. And unfortunately, at the moment, free is the only trick I've got up my sleeve. So you have to take the rough with the smooth this. I, I, I do think that when you promote for free, the quality of your reviews goes down. That's just something I've perceived. And that when you make people pay for things, when you make them value it more, because they, I guess if you pay for something, you check it out more, you read the blurbs, you read the reviews, you make a more informed decision. I think you get better quality reviews, frankly, when you, when you charge people for it, but also you get fewer sales. So all of these things, you know, damned if you do, damned if you don't. 
And, uh, you know, I got to say that after all those copies of Dead of Night that were shifted, um, first review we get is, I think, was it a two-star? Some crappy two-star review, which was, let's have a look at it. Where is it? See if I can find it. Um, pretty horrible review to get as your first review for a book. Here we go. 142 pages in this book. 130 pages of bloody fighting and killing. I flipped past many pages to get on with the story, and the fighting was the story. And and so you think, all right, well, thanks very much for that. That's the first review uh, on the book. That's really going to help me shift this book. Uh, uh, that's it so far, I'm afraid. Now, you know, it's fairly clear what that story is about if you if you read the um, if you read the blurb. And so my perception generally is is that people who get books for free just say, yeah, I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have that, and they don't really do much scrutinizing of a book and so when they come to read it um you know if, and if they're disappointed oh that was a load of old rubbish um and, and people who pay for books tend to scrutinize them more because if you're part with your cash you're going to make a more informed sale but as i say if i didn't do them for free i wouldn't shift any books so i go back to the phrase damned if you do damned if you don't so i have to say that when i got that you know that's my single review on dead of night at the moment and you think right well that's three months work four months work uh, and, and that, and it's all summed up so far in that review. Pretty distressed to get that review this week. And when I get reviews like that, I sort of think, you know, really, <laughs> is it worth it? I might as well just go and stand on the pavement and say, how about punching me? Uh, you know, that, that's how it feels when you get a review um, like that. I do wonder whether people who put these reviews on ever uh, are circumspect enough to know, you know, the impact that might have uh, in the round. So, that was a fairly distressing experience, um, and and I you know, <clears throat> will admit I'm not very good at getting reviews like that. And uh, it would make me, you know, it did make me think, you know, really, is there an awful lot of point carrying on like this, writing these books because they take a lot of my time. And frankly, this week I could be sat out in the sun enjoying the rays and the blue skies and enjoying the weekends. So um, I, I do uh, struggle with reviews like that, um, and they do make me consider you know, whether it's worth keeping on writing, you know, and then you also get the five-star reviews. So if we go to Don't Tell Meg, and you've got the one I think I mentioned last week, this book contains the most inventive murder I've ever read. And then um, somebody says, I was greatly surprised at how good this novel was. You always, why would you be surprised that a novel was good? You know, did it look crap in the first place? Um, I, I Honestly, I'm, I'm not, I don't really get reviews. I don't leave book reviews unless, you know, uh, I'm doing somebody, if uh, an author is, I know an author, I respect an author, I've read the book and I give an honest review, but I will only give um, honest reviews and I won't leave negative reviews. If I haven't got something good to say, I generally don't say it. Um, so um, th that's another five-star review. It says, terrific novel. It's a powerful, evocative novel. Characterization strong and realistic. The plot was twisted and gave me that knock-off-my-feet feeling. You get So you get five-star reviews like that, and you think, wow, those people, they just kind of, they just get it. And, and that's the kind of reader I want. And then you get that kind of dead-of-night review, which is crap, frankly. Excuse my language. I hope I don't need to beep that out and put an explicit on this. Um, and it just knocks you for six. And I'm not good at this. When I was on the radio, um, you know, doing doing the breakfast show, um, my 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 figures were always high. You know, that I've, that have taken me off the breakfast show if they weren't. And, and we always did very well with the numbers. But it would take one ass, excuse me. <laughs> it would take one person to to just say, "Oh, what a load of crap," and and it would knock me for six. 
so this is one of my author struggles. I really do struggle with this stuff. Um, and my, my responses when I get a review like that is it really does knock me for six for 24 hours. Um, and I, you know, I go through all this. Should I carry on? Am I wasting my time? There's a lot of work here. There's a lot of other things I could be doing, you know, that don't involve being sat at my desk for, you know, five hours a day writing the words. And, and it does make me consider whether it, it's worth, you know, carrying on and, and pushing. But then you see again in my life, I know that when I tried to get into radio, it took me from the age of 18 to 27, it took me nine years of plugging away to get into radio, of doing student radio show, having to go at hospital radio show, doing shows in my bedroom, you know, talking to myself. And I can even remember once when I was teaching, just trying to keep the the, the flame alight of my dreams to get into radio. And I was doing this show on a Sunday. You know, I knew no one was listening. It was just me trying to keep my hand in with radio. And I just was sitting there doing a show. And I frankly wanted to just cry because I just thought, you know, I'm just not going to be able to do this. This is not going to happen. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have this career in radio. And then, you know, whatever, I kept going and had an 18-year career in radio. So I know, based on life experience, that if you just keep going, you know, usually... Usually you power through and, and usually it works. And, you know, if it wasn't for those people who write those wonderful five-star reviews, when you sort of think, well, you know, if I was a heap of crap, no one would leave a review like that. If I was really rubbish, no one would leave a five-star review saying how much they liked the book. So, you know, I have to take the rough with the smooth. If I'm going to stick my work out there, I have to accept that for some people it's really not going to, be their thing and they're really not going to like it um so after being you know taking the punches and and, and you know coming round after a, a period of time and, and licking my wounds I always decide to get back on the saddle and ride the horse again whether that's right or wrong um you know so I had a bit of a, a couple of down days this week when I read that single review on on dead of night and, and then you know here I am back again doing it again and we'll carry on, and, uh, and we'll see how those reviews pan out over time when we shift more of the books. Um, but, you know, you, you do make yourself quite exposed and vulnerable when you do this, and I'm not good at it. You know, I don't have a formula for it, and I'm not good at dealing with it. Um, all I know is that I take it very badly when I get the negative stuff, but fortunately I seem to keep bouncing back. Uh, I, it takes me a little bit of time, and then I come back, and uh, you know, I wake up, ding, and I'm ready to go again. Uh, thank, thank goodness for that. So that's where I am. That's a little bit of a distraction, but that's where I am with the writing. Uh, and why I'm telling you that is that, depending on where you are in your writing career, you might say, you know, wow, Paul, you know, seven and a half thousand free downloads over the weekend. I was number one in the USA chart. I can't remember when it was. It was Friday or Saturday, and I stayed there. I think I was number one in that USA free psychological thriller chart till Monday. Um, and I was, I couldn't get to number one in the UK. I got to number two in the UK. Ironically, I was one in, in the USA and another lady whose name I forget now, she was number two, but she lives in the States. And in the UK, she was number one. Um, and, 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 uh, and I was number two in the UK and I couldn't get that number one spot. I just couldn't push out hard enough to get there. Just the irony of that. She must have been equally frustrated with me blocking her spot in, in her country. 
But really why I'm telling you that is, you know, don't be distracted by those numbers. All those numbers do is they give me a lovely screenshot with my book at number one in a bestseller chart, but that doesn't really equate to money. What it will do is it will it will mean that people will buy books two and three. A certain percentage of those seven and a half thousand people will enjoy the book enough then to go on and buy books two and three. And for the next couple of months, that will create a, a, a reasonable flow of traffic for me to be selling to be selling books. I'm not going to make an awful lot of money out of that. That won't equate to an awful lot of money, but it will mean at least that I am selling that trilogy. Um, you know, rather than most authors experience, which I'm selling absolutely nothing. Um, but you know, don't be distracted by that number one spot. When I'm doing talks and things like that, it's very nice for me to be able to flash up a slide with me in number one slots and things like that. But it's not the holy grail, right? You will hear me get excited when I get to number one in a sales bestseller list. That's when I'll get excited. The rest is just marketing smoke and mirrors. Uh, it's fairly, you know, it's fairly easy to get to that number one slot. For instance, um, when I was in my having my fit of peak about the the bad feedback of Den of Night, I put it on um, I put it on a free promo, and then I thought, oh, when I was thinking, Do you know what, I'm I'm not doing this, and I just took it off free promo. So I've got three days left. So I, I recovered from my little hissy fit and decided to put it on free promo this weekend just to use up the free the three free days I've got on that promo. And and just by sitting there, I've done nothing with it other than just put it on a free promo. It's currently um, in, I think it's number seven in the States, something like that. Where is it? Come on, Paul, find, find it on the screen. Uh, Amazon.co.uk. It's number seven in the UK in suspense psychological. And then in the States, I think it was 17 or something like that. That's just me, just me putting it on free um, and, and doing no promotion to it whatsoever with my crappy two-star review. Uh, number 19 in the States I am at the time of recording this. Um, you know, so frankly, you could just put it on for free and you have a certain amount of luck. So please don't be distracted by this. If you haven't done this before and have no experience of it, all right, it's not that big a deal being at number one, but it's very, very handy when I'm doing talks about self-publishing and marketing and things like that to show that screenshot, to show that I know what I need to do to get it there. But personally, on these diaries, if I ever get one of those, my books to number one in the sales, when I'm selling enough books to get to number one, then you'll hear me very excited. But I'm not really excited so far. It's very nice to have shifted 7,500 books, most books I've ever shifted in a week uh, to date. Um, but actually, it won't result in that much, frankly, um, you know, in terms of sales and success. But it, it will keep the sales coming in steadily now over the next two to three uh, months. So that's where we are with um, the promos. Hopefully, we'll get a decent review on um, Dead of Night. Uh, you know, frankly, it's not that bad. <laughs> it, is, it is an action book. Uh, that's the whole point of it. The whole point of that book is that it's 99 pence, so the barrier to entry is free, and that the action starts in the first two lines, and it doesn't let up till the end. Uh, there's quite a high body count in it. There's loads of action. This is not literary fiction, right? And I don't write literary fiction. This is action stuff all right it's not deep i don't do a lot of description i don't do a lot of deep characterization we just get on with the story okay so this is not literary fiction and i would never profess that it is um but i don't think it's that bad <laughs> hopefully not and i'll tell you i went for lunch with my editor helen today and, I'll, and you know she doesn't think it is either um so let's go to my giveaway i held a, an insta freebie giveaway and again i've got the results for this now on my insta freebie crime giveaway I generated over 14,000 
unique clicks. So unique clicks are individual people coming to my giveaway. 14,000 people coming to my giveaway in the space of seven days. Um, my winning contributor was Ian Sutherland, who you will have heard me talking to on this podcast. Now, I spoke to Ian as an author. He's a, a crime thriller author. I'd invited him to take part in the giveaway. But also, uh, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that Ian runs a product called Author Platform Sidekick. And I was one of his beta testers for that. And amazingly, Ian grew. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I had a second Twitter account, which I hadn't really done anything with. And Ian grew that Twitter account to to 10,000 followers. And, and actually, it's given me a bit of a problem because... He did amazingly. You know, I've never seen such twi- Twitter growth, and it was amazing. And actually, that Twitter account works really well for me. It's just like a really good Twitter account. And this was only supposed to be a test. And, and just by accident, you know, he had used this this product and all these techniques. And I've got this really good second Twitter account. And frankly, I'd like the two Twitter accounts I've got joined. But it's given me this problem that it's such a good Twitter account that I have to keep fueling it with with content now. It's got, um, you know, and, and it's really good and very responsive. And, and it's really targeted. Um, and that was Ian's author platform sidekick that did that for me. So that was a very happy accident. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is that Ian was my number one uh, promoter. So this was a, a big hitters giveaway. Normally, in the past when I've done giveaways, I've let anybody in. So long as people have got, um, you know, some form of email list or a social media presence, I've said, that's fine. So long as you're in the right genre, so long as you do your best with whatever you've got, you can participate. Whereas was in this giveaway, I said, I'd like you to have um, 5,000 or more um, subscribers uh, on your list. Now, as that turned out, it turned, it was a bit too exacting. Um, you know, some, um, one of the ladies who wanted to come on said to me, look, I haven't got 5,000, but I've got something like three and a half thousand subscribers. I've got this many people on Twitter and this many people on Facebook. And because I was struggling, I let that person in and she did a great job. She was one of my top contributors. I'm really pleased I let her in. Um, and, and actually somebody who had got a 5,000 list did rubbish. So, um, I had, I used a little bit of judgment in the end to make sure I got my 15 contributors. But between them, they sent 14,000 unique clicks to the giveaway. And interestingly, Ian Sutherland, um, Ian got to the top of the leaderboard before he even promoted to his email list. And I asked him how, how he, how he'd done that. And he'd done it entirely on Twitter from audiences grown using his author platform sidekick technique. Now, if that isn't a good plug, for his project, I don't know what is. Um, so, you know, if you haven't checked out Author Platform Psychic, do check it out. And Ian just wiped the floor with everybody um, in this promotion. Uh, he was way ahead uh, of my um, my second best contributor who had actually wiped the floor with everybody else in the last giveaway that I did. So Ian did a really good job. And he sent on his own three and a half, more than three and a half thousand unique clicks to that giveaway event, which is really, really you know, it's that's a really good result. Uh, so congratulations to Ian. Um, and now, interestingly, Ian, Ian emailed me then to tell me what his results were. And he said that he'd got um, from from my giveaway. Where is it? Come on, Paul. He got, in, in seven days, he got 895 new crime and thriller subscribers from my giveaway in the course of seven days. Now, to put that in context, when I started building an email list, um, you know, seven or eight years ago, whenever it was, it took me a year to get my first 25 subscribers. Ian got 895 in seven days. Uh, and, and Ian said that's double what he did in somebody else's giveaway. So I'm, I'm personally pleased about that because it means my giveaways work really well uh, and people get great results from them. Um, but, um, you may think 895 is a lot, but 
two people, and, and maybe more, but two people contacted me to let me know that they got even more than that. Two of my contributors, and I, and I don't know why some contributors, you know, get get more um, subscribers than others. Um, but a lady called Judith Lucci, who came in, got where is her numbers? She got about one thousand four hundred new subscribers in seven days. So what's that? Two hundred new subscribers a day, which is that's phenomenal. And if you think that these are all genre specific people. They all came for crime and thriller books. So therefore, when you try and sell your books to people in future, they're all going to want to read crime and thriller books. Uh, now, some of those will be freebie seekers. Some of those will unsubscribe straight away. But let me tell you, you know, in terms of list building, that is pretty strong stuff. I have never seen anything other than the big internet marketing launches that I did um, that ever built a list that fast. For authors, frankly, it's the best thing um I, I know about uh, at the moment. So it's working very, very well. But again, I think I've told you again in these diaries, I think it works probably quite well to about sort of four or 5,000 subscribers. And then you'll find that that actually you're getting the same subscribers and you're just recycling the same old people. Um, you know, so that, that I think can be a little bit um, of a problem. So you should certainly do it, but I think you should expect to do it for a certain period of time. And then you'll probably need to just sort of duck out and try a different approach. Now, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm just trying to find my custom audience. Okay, so you'll remember that what I've been building on my freebie book site where I'm doing these giveaways is I've I've installed the Facebook pixel so that I can then gather that audience and I can target people. And I've built, as a host of these giveaways, I've now built a custom audience, a targeted genre-specific custom audience of 11,500 people which I can now use to market my books. Now, I'm going to be teaching this process. This weekend, I'm recording a video for the Alliance of Independent Authors for the next Ally, or Ally, I beg your pardon, Ally Author Fringe, which is taking part on play, taking place on June the 3rd. So if you want to um, see how I do that and, and give, uh, give all, share all my best tips as, a, as somebody who just takes part in the giveaways and also some ninja tips for somebody who might want to host those giveaways, um, you know, ironically, I've had some brilliant feedback from contributors about the events that I'm holding, but I'm probably not going to hold anymore. <laughs> Maybe this is where I keep going wrong. You know, I get lovely feedback for things that I stop doing them, but I, I'm probably not going to hold any more giveaway events. I might squeeze one more out, but probably not going to do any more of those giveaway events only because I feel like I'm recycling, you know, the, the same old people. I think I've kind of been done it and, and it's time to move on to something else. Um, but I've had some lovely feedback. So I'll be sharing everything I've learned about Insta Freebie in that Alliance of Independent Authors, a fringe event, uh, uh, recording the video this weekend, and then you'll be able to access it on June the 3rd. And I'll put the link on the resources page for that. I got the proof copy of Dead of Night this week. Um, I'm using Frostbite Publishing to do the formatting now of my paperback books. Very, very happy with that. And I've asked Adam, who, who does that company, runs that company, having done some work with them now and had a very happy experience with them. They're people who I'm, you know, I'm very happy to, to recommend it to you because I've, I've put my own money in. I've had a very good experience, a very professional company, very happy with the work. So I've asked Adam if he'll join me on the podcast so we can talk about the services that he offers. Um, but that proof came back. I've now got a row of 10 books on my shelf. So, uh, you know, when I was talking to you about that bad feedback, I think this all came on the same day. So I'd got that book and I, I was feeling really proud of myself because I've got, you know, 10 paperbacks. So they're quite a pile. 
now. You know, I'm sort of feeling very proud of what I'd achieved writing those books. And then we got this two-star review and you just sort of think, well, you know, am I just a mug doing this? Am I just wasting my time writing these books if, if, you know, somebody could just damn it all with a, with a two-star, um, review and, and sort of throw it all in the bin? So that's kind of where I was. But I, I did have one of those rare moments when I was holding 10 books in my hand thinking, you know, I did that. I'm quite proud of that. It's quite an achievement. You know, even if it is complete tosh, uh, that's quite an achievement, just writing that number of words. Um, so uh, very nice to have 10 paperback books now on my bookshelf. And I did. Re- it's funny, when they're in Kindle form, you never get that sense of achievement. So I would say to you, though, do do even if you don't sell many paperbacks, and I don't sell many paperbacks, it's you know barely worth it in business terms. It is really nice just to get a copy of your book and hold it in your hand because you really do get a sense of accomplishment um, when you do that. And in those times when you're feeling down about it and that you are wasting your time and that you could be doing you know other things during the time that you spend writing the books, when you look at that body of work that you've got on your shelf and think, you know, I did that of my own effort, it, it does feel good. It does it does help. So um, so now then, everything I've produced is now on sale through CreateSpace and through Kindle, which is great. So um, that feels good. Um, something I just wanted to mention to you, you've probably heard me saying about it's going to be important on your website to use HTTPS rather than HTTP. It's a bit geeky, this, but it's just something that's coming along in web terms. It's going to be quite an important thing. Um, and most people, most people in the know, and I've done this on all my sites, are changing their sites to HTTPS now. When you change your site to HTTPS, you then find out how annoying it is that other people haven't. And I've been using Booklinker to share my Amazon book links. Now, Booklinker, what it does is you put your, your, your links to your books in, and then you can share these special links that it creates. So when somebody clicks on the link, it takes them to the Amazon store, depending on which country they're in. And that helps you to sell more books. Problem with Booklinker is, is that it's not using these HTTPS connections yet. And that's really annoying because it causes problems elsewhere. They need, you know, you need to change this fast. You need to go onto this because it's going to become a problem in web terms. And so when I saw the problems that was causing me, I thought, right, okay. I went back to Books to Read, which is Draft the Digital's version of this. And because I'd got so many of my links in, in Booklinker, I'd looked at Books to Read and thought, oh, yeah, it's very good. That's all right. And, and I, I, but I kept with Booklinker. Well, because Booklinker haven't got this HTTPS and it's causing me little technical problems now, I went back to Books to Read, looked at it again closely and thought, why aren't I using Books to Read? It's brilliant. So everything is going into Books to Read now. And by the way, of course, Draft are digital. They're very innovative. They're always at the front of the queue where innovation is concerned. That's why I love them. They have HTTPS on their links. Of course they do because they know what they're doing. So I was very happy for that. So I am moving all of my geolocated links into books to read now um and it's just books number two books to read.com and i'll put the link on the resources page um but book books to read not only geolocates your amazon store or whichever store it is that you're using it it could also it'll also let you set your favorite store so if you buy from kobo or barnes and noble you can just click a button once and whenever you click on my links in future it will always take you to the barnes and noble or google play link for my books. So I am making a strategic move into books to read and that's where I'm staying now. Um, and it just shows that, you know, if you snooze, you lose. When it comes to innovation, when it comes to keeping up with the times, because Booklinker haven't moved fast with the HTTPS, I'm now moving on to a service that does it. They, they force me through discomfort to move 
and I'm going to books to read now and I'm abandoning that service now um, because books to read, frankly, is everything that I need it to be. Um, and it's, you know, in a blink of an eye, you could lose a customer if you don't keep up with the times. So that's now my recommendation, books2read.com. I just wanted to mention um, a conversation, an email conversation I had with a previous guest, Avril McDonald. Um, now, Avril um, started writing children's books based around anxiety, and, and then she got traditional deals. And so she's she's kind of a hybrid author. She's used traditional to get she's right, she's used in indie publishing to get traditional deals, and has been very successful with that. And what Avril has done is she's self published a book called How to Get a Publishing Deal and What to Do If You Can't. Uh, explaining her process and she sent me an email the other day and said um you know would you just mention this book and i had a look at it and avril had priced the ebook at seven pounds 99 and i i sent avril a note back saying um that's an interesting price i can tell you're from a traditional industry it's 7.99 and because anybody as you know in the independent publishing industry knows that you don't you know, you, we would, I would never price a book at $7.99. Well, I would price a box set at $7.99. I have priced a box set at $7.99, but an individual book, I wouldn't price at $7.99. And, um, and I, I think maybe that took Avril by surprise um, because, you know, I know that if I said to you, Avril's book's available for $7.99 as an ebook, I know that you wouldn't touch it as an indie author community. However good the book was, I know that you wouldn't touch it because that's just too much for an ebook. Now, um, I think Avril went away and thought about that and has now priced that at two ninety nine, which of course is the perfect price for an ebook. Um, and, and so I'm very happy now to recommend this book to you um, because Avril's got a lot of experience in this, how to get a publishing deal and what to do if you can't, a practical, straightforward approach to help you to navigate your publishing journey by Avril McDonald. Now, Avril is a great entrepreneur. If you listen to her uh, interview on the podcast. She's doing all sorts of really clever, incredible things. And she did, you know, she used those strategies to get a traditional deal and she's doing extremely well. So that's why I'm recommending the book to you because Avril's, you know, walk the walk, talk the talk. And now she's priced the book at a perfectly reasonable price for an ebook. So um, check that out. As ever, do your due diligence on it. See whether it's something that interests you. And if you want to listen to Avril's interview, fascinating woman, you know, really great entrepreneur. That's a very good interview to listen to. Um, what else have we done this week? Oh, here's something that I don't know why I didn't do this before. Um, the podcast, um, you, again, you'll have heard me saying about the podcast, you know, that I've been looking at the numbers and sometimes we're all busy. And obviously the podcast, if I need to find some time, it'd be very easy for me to drop this podcast uh, and find a lot of time during the week. And um, the podcast is doing really well at the moment, actually. It's getting, uh, the, the downloads are really increasing and going very steadily. It's really growing nicely now so it's not in that zone where I'm thinking you know am I talking to no one we're, we're, we're doing all right now every month and getting a lot of downloads every week so um, I'm very happy about that but something I hadn't done with the podcast is I never put it on Facebook and I can't remember what made me think about this but I did it over last weekend I, I uploaded some of the the YouTube versions which effectively are they look they're audio but they play like a video and they actually look beautiful when you put them on Facebook. And when I saw, I put all the interviews, 63, however many interviews it is I've done so far, I put them all on Facebook. And then I mentioned the people who they belong to. And then I was thinking, why didn't I do this before? It's perfect. If I do a Facebook mention of an author, 
that then shows up on their Facebook page and their fans see it, and that drives traffic to the site. And I was thinking, why on earth didn't I do this before? It's so obvious. Um, so I've done it now, and I'll be doing it in future. We now then have a self-publishing journeys page on Facebook. So you'll see each, if you like that page, you'll get each new broadcast that I do directly in your Facebook feed, and you just click play and carry on doing something else while it's playing in your Facebook feed. Um, but, you know, I teach Facebook, and I just don't know why it took me so long to tweak that that's just a perfect thing to do. Um, so we're on Facebook, and I'll put the link now on the resources page for this diary. A couple of quick reminders. Amazon Academy in Edinburgh on the 23rd of May. Let me know if you're going, um, because I'm I, at the moment, unless the shepherd's crook comes out and somebody else goes on, um, I'm representing the Alliance of Independent Authors at that event. Also, another reminder, a date for your diary, the Alliance of Independent Authors Author Fridge, Ally Author Fridge event on June the 3rd. That's an online event and it's for free. I'll put the links on the page. Come on, last things then, just to mention to you before we finish this diary for this week, I interviewed Sarah Painter on the podcast this week. Sarah has also just self-published her first book. Now, Sarah runs the Worried Writer podcast, which I've listened to for a couple of years now. And uh, I love that podcast. And I've wanted to talk to Sarah for ages. And I've been waiting for her to become a uh, an indie author because she's she's traditionally published. And I've been waiting for her to become an indie author so that I could talk to her on the podcast. And she has now done that. She's done a great book, which I will put uh, a link to on the resources page this week. But I interviewed Sarah on Monday. And interestingly... Um, I said to Sarah, we were talking, uh, we were talking for far longer than he's going on the interview. And because Sarah runs a podcast, we were talking about podcasts. And, um, Sarah listens to this podcast on 1.5 speed. And she said that one day she was listening to me on accidentally, she was thinking, you're talking fast, Paul. And she was listening to me on two speeds. And I, I said to Sarah, well, I always think how gabbly I am on these podcasts. I can't believe that she listens on 1.5 speed. So especially for Sarah Painter, if you're listening on 1.5 speed this week, hello, Sarah. Thank you for listening to the podcast. <laughs> that's that's a special bespoke message if you're li- listening on 1.5 speed. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Um, but Sarah um, does a lot. Her podcast is all about the kind of anxiety uh, that we feel or most of us feel as writers about our writing and when we get bad reviews and things like that um, and and Sarah herself has, has experienced a lot of anxiety in her career but she pushes through it and she finds strategies and has achieved an amazing amount um, so I would highly recommend her podcast um, and I'll put a link on the resources page and do listen out please for Sarah's interview which is great uh, on the 5th of June that's scheduled for the 5th of June so that is it. Oh, no, one more thing to tell you about. Um, <laughs> I've just come back from lunch with Helen Fazal, who edits my books. And um, Helen's fairly sure that she didn't edit The Secret Bunker 1. She thinks she picked it up from two and three. I can't remember. So uh, Helen has edited either nine or ten of my books, of my fiction books. And uh, I thought, blimey, not only does she deserve a medal uh, you know, and an endurance award... Um, I also, it's a high time I took her out for lunch because we've, we've effectively, Helen discovered me or, you know, encountered me or whatever you want to call it at one of my local events a couple of years ago when I was just doing a talk, um, to a room of people about independent publishing. And she, she reached out to me because she liked the sound of my books and she'd heard that I'd had a bad experience with an editor at that stage and said, can I do a trial edit of your books? You know, I'm interested in your books and we've got on 
extremely well, and I really like Helen editing my books. And I just thought, Do you know what, we've been emailing for two years. We really should meet because she only lives 20 miles away from me uh, in, in Penrith. You know, I, I live in Carlisle. She lives in Penrith. It's 20 miles away. So we we met up for lunch and had a very pleasant, you know, two and a half hours in a local pub um, having lunch today and just, you know, chatting about other things and editing. So it was a, it was really good. And, you know, why haven't, again, like the Facebook page, why did it take you so long, Paul? To do that, you know, you've been working together for two years. Why has it taken you so long to go out for lunch and just have a chat and a laugh? So I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed chatting to, to, to Helen today, um, you know, j- just at a social level, not just about work. Um, and, you know, we, we do get bogged down with these online lives. And it's really good to meet in person sometimes. And uh, and I need to learn that lesson myself. I really enjoyed meeting with Helen today. And, you know, that can only help to improve our not that it's you know it's a very good working relationship. It can only help to oil the wheels of our working relationship. I think. Okay, that is it for this week's um, diary. Thank you very much for listening. Um, my guest on Monday, the fifteenth of May, is Justin Sloan. Now, Justin is a real fascinating chap. He's written um, sort of scripts for for video games, um, uh, Walking Dead and Game of Thrones. He's got writing credits on video games. He's just quit his day job to go a full-time indie author. And he's got some really interesting observations about co-writing. Um, I hadn't sort of quite got this when we agreed to talk to each other. My, my main headline was quitting your day job to go full-time indie author. But Justin is co-writing, and has done a lot of co-writing, but he's co-writing with the indie man of the moment, Michael Andale, at the moment. And um, he's got some brilliant, brilliant um, information about teaming up with people to write books. Very interesting stuff. And something I've, so I, I said to him, I wouldn't do it. I, I you know, I, I, I don't play well with people. I, I would fall out with somebody if I wrote a book. I'm fairly sure I would. Yet Justin has done several collaborations and I don't know how they haven't ended up sort of strangling each other. So, so if you've ever thought about collaborating, it was really interesting uh, to talk to talk about that. And we talk about other things as well. But the collaboration stuff, you know, when your ears get waggling and you think, oh, hadn't thought about that. That's really interesting. Do, do listen to that interview on Monday. Fascinating stuff. And Justin's got a lot going on for him at the moment. Lots of interesting stuff, working with really interesting people as well. So he's really one of these kind of indie people to watch at the moment. So that's Monday, 15th of May, Justin Sloan on Self-Publishing Journeys. Thank you very much for listening to this diary. It's gone on quite a bit this week. We're running at about 38 minutes at the moment. So apologies for that. Hopefully you were doing a long job today while you were listening. But I will be back next Saturday for another Paul's Podcasting Diary. In the meantime, I hope you have a fabulous week of writing. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.